Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Well, I have the privilege. I just want to take a moment. I have a very special friend here today, Mike Batchelder, Mike and Darla. And, um, you know, there are certain people in life that have, have a real ministry and a passion to imparting something to the body of Christ. Well, Mike Batchelder is a passionate intercessor for the kingdom of God, for this nation, for this city, for this world. But he's a true intercessor, intercessor um, both Mike and Darla, that um, have really impacted nations, Germany, Scotland, and they've seen God move in revival and in power through prayer. And so I just want you guys just to take a moment and warmly welcome Mike Batchelder. Come on, Mike. All right. Thank you very much. It's great to be back to reconnect with our Asheville family. We tell everybody that we have a home church in Asheville, and you guys are it. Been connected for like 13 years, I think, something like that. It's been really good. But I just feel like I have a bit of a word for you today, and for you personally, and for the church. And I was actually listening to a prophetic word that I received, the story of a prophetic word I received, and the, and the Lord reminded me of it, and then he said, why don't you just pass that on to them? Actually, when before we, we moved to Scotland, I became missionaries to Scotland, and people go, You're, Scotland's a mission field? Yeah, it really is. When you only have a percent and a half of the population go to church, you have a mission field. So, But we were called to go to Scotland, and I had this, this, I was in Manchester, England. We were on a mission trip going up to actually spy out the land in Scotland on that trip. And I had this three or four day demonic attack where the enemy was saying, you're never going to Scotland. You're never going to preach there. You're never going to pray there. It's never going to happen. And for like three days, I had this demonic attack. And then I also had a massive toothache because I aggravated a, a root canal on the way to the, on the airplane. And uh, so I asked the team to pray about my toothache. And then this, this one lady in the team's very prophetic. She goes, <gasps> and I said, what does that mean? And she said, I just heard the Lord speak very clearly. And well, what did he say? And she spoke directly to this demonic attack about my destiny and said, tell him all I have promised I will do. And it, it dealt directly with the attack of the enemy on my calling and my destiny, moving to going to a place called Scotland, and then from then on. And I have a feeling that there's been an attack on your destiny. There's been an attack on your calling, what you feels like God has put in your heart to do, and you step out and you have opposition. This discouragement comes. The fear that, that Rocky was talking about comes rushing in. And I just hear the Lord saying today to pass on to you that you need to understand all that God has promised he will do. Okay, and here's the verse to go along with it. This is the Passion Translation out of Ephesians 2.10. We become his poetry, a recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each one of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the Anointed One. Even before we were born, God 
planned in advance your destiny and good works that we should do and fulfill it. So I just see as a church overall and for your personal life, you need to hear the Lord say, every promise I gave you, that's still on. Every promise I spoke to you, even hard places, those, those are promises and those destinies and those prophetic words are still yes and amen to you. So receive that. I want to bless you. I want to just pray for you really quick. Father, I ask you to just bless this fellowship and every believer here that you would, they would step into all that you've called them to because, Lord, your word to them is that all you have promised you will do in their life and you will do exceedingly abundantly above everything they can ask or think. And we thank you that, that Lord, we're excited about the days ahead because your breath is upon us, your hand is upon us, and we will step out in you and you will be there with us to back up your word with signs and wonders. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Bless you, Brother Sam. Thank you, man. I love you, brother. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Mike. Well, I have the privilege um, of introducing y'all, most, most of you know him, Tim Pugh. He's going to come and share the word today, so let's give it up for Mr. Pugh. I am... <laughs> Just kidding. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Um, there's so many different things swirling through my head that aren't in my notes right now. Uh, um, could I get that uh, song verse up? Wasn't that great worship this morning? Just incredibly good. This, this verse, uh, my heart wants something new, so I surrender all. I was just, just singing that song, and it, it goes along with the message, but just that reality of like, you know, we... It's easy to get into a rut, you know, of following the Lord and, and to kind of lose the, the joy of it, the fascination, the wonder, the glory of it. And there's, uh, there's Scripture, Revelation chapter 4, it's the throne room scene of the Lord. Uh, let me read that, get set up here. The four living creatures, this is Revelation 4, 8, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. I don't know how that works, but it's got to be cool. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. I don't know how the elders throw down their crowns. I don't know how they get them back, but they, they keep throwing them down over and over I mean, when we think about this scene, like this has been going on for eternity and will continue to go on for eternity, that they are sitting here, all they do, the only thing is they sit in this room and they gaze at the glory of God and they say, holy, 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 over and over and over for eternity. 
you know, when you hear people, you know, make jokes about, you know, I don't want to go to heaven. It's going to be boring. I'd rather go to hell where there's a party all the time, you know. The, the glory of heaven to the extent of, I mean, when you, when you look at stories in the Bible and they talk about they see an angel or the Lord or whatever, they fall on their face like they're dead because it's so unreal and unbelievable and glorious like they can't even get themselves to look at him, you know. And so uh, this, this song, you know, my heart wants something new. I think, you know, we can all really connect and relate with that. You know, I, I want to be fascinated. There's a, there's a book I'm already blowing up my notes right now. Um, doesn't take long. Uh, God bless Mariah. I gave her a fit when she was here. She actually had to start putting tape on the floor and say, this, this is your world right here. It, don't, yeah, because I was always walking out of the camera. But um, uh, where was that? The what? We, oh, the, uh, there's a book Mike Bickle wrote called uh, Seven Longings of the Human Heart. I highly encourage you to get it because it, it's, it has stuff in there that we have a hard time connecting with and openly admitting because some of the, lo- I can't remember all of them, but a couple of them are the, um, the longing to be great. I mean, that's kind of hard to say out loud. Like, I want to be great. The other one is uh, the longing to have a lasting impact on the world you know and these these sound a little anti-humble but the reality is that's how he designed us he designed us for greatness before him he designed us to make an impact on the world as we you know uh, uh, show forth the glory of God the wonder of who he is and so uh, these these places like God wants us to be fascinated he wants us to be overwhelmed by his glory and his goodness and, uh, and so it, you know, as we were singing that this morning, I was just thinking, I want to take a moment before we start and just pray into that, because we, we need to get a hold of that. We need to get a hold of the place that it's not bad that you want to be fascinated. It's not bad that you want to see the majesty and the magnificence of God displayed in your life all over the place. It's not wrong that you want to see signs and wonders. You want to see the dead raised and, you know, people healed, and you want to uh, you know, like uh, I, I relate with what Rocky said, like I would have never expected myself to be a speaker, never when I was younger. But there's things that God has for you that you might not have touched yet. And he wants to release those things. He wants us to step into them and he, he wants us to taste of them. And he wants you to see the glory and the wonder that happens as you step out into something new, totally scared, totally terrified, and see the power of God manifest himself in, in, your, in your life and in your situations and see just things happen that you never expected to happen. And that's what he wants to do. And so I just want to pray over us for just a moment and Lord, we just ask for your fire. We ask for your glory to be manifested in our lives, in this church, in this ministry, in our families, in our individual lives. We ask, Lord, that you would begin to stir the prophetic words, the visions, the prophecies, the dreams that we've had in the past. The places of purpose, Lord, that you planted within our hearts, those purpose, seeds of purpose that 
that you long to see come forth. God, we ask right now that you would begin to awaken those things once again. We ask, Lord, that you would begin to awaken us to that reality of like, I want to be fascinated. I want to see the supernatural. I want to step into a realm where the glory of God is constant, it's living, and so much so that it becomes just familiar to me. I want to be familiar with the supernatural. I want to be familiar with the presence of God. I want to be comfortable with the voice of Jesus. God, just come and stir us. Lord, and if there's places, Lord, where we need to shift our hearts and we need to shift our mindsets, and Lord, we need to shake off the, the, the dust, the cobwebs in our heart and begin to just passionately pursue and desire and seek and contend for the glory of God to be poured out. Lord, come and awaken that in us. God, give us grace to step into those places. Give us grace to step into that. God, there's glory in every heart that's sitting in here today. There's majesty and wonder and power in every heart. Lord, begin to awaken them. Send us forth as arrows out of your quiver, Lord. Come and do what you long to do. Awaken us, God. Lord, you're not a dull God. You're not a disinteresting God. You're not a prude or... God, you're fascinating. You're glorious. You're wonderful. And you love to express yourself through us. So just come and move in that place today, Lord. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's talk about the Nephilim. No. I'm just, I know a couple of you got really excited every second. Another day, another day. That's some weird stuff, though, isn't it? Man. Uh, so, thank you for that. Heart wants something new. It's just not the Nephilim today. Um, kind of, kind of blow through, uh, blow through this first part. Uh, just because I know I'll run out of time, but just as a preface to kind of launch us into what we want to talk about, which is just about having conversation with God. And um, I just want to consider a couple of things. Uh, when, when you look at Jesus' time on the earth, when he came, you know, the, it was a very religious culture. I mean, religion dominated their society. You know, every, it, was, it was a part of everything, you know. And uh, the religious leaders back then kind of, you know, and they were the government, basically, you know, of the nation of Israel, the Jews. And at that time, when, when Jesus came and he began to speak to the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders, and call them sons of Belial to their face, and call them, you know, your vipers, and all this kind of stuff. And then he would step right over and, and call us, you know, the, the, those Jews in that day to, to reject them and follow him. There was a huge consequence to that. I mean, there's a scripture, I, I, I think I added it to our list, John 9.20. And it talks about uh, just a, a part of that where there was a, um, 
where there was a blind man and uh, Jesus heals him. And he goes before the leaders and, and, uh, and they, didn't, they didn't like it, you know, that he, he's healing this guy and he's kind of taking the glory and, and he's exposing their wickedness and all those kind of things. And uh, this guy gets healed and they're like, what, you know, who did this? You know, how did this happen? What's going on, you know? And so they, they call him before the leaders and they have this whole, you know, uh, pretty, pretty funny conversation about it. He really kind of zings them in there. Uh, and then they're like, I, you know, we got to figure this out. Let's, let's get his parents and make sure this guy was actually blind and he actually got healed. And so they call his parents in there and they realize that during that time, like, you can be, ex- I mean, they can excommunicate you from the, 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 the temple, you know, like you can't go anymore. I mean, they had that kind of authority. And so we, we have to recognize as we look at Jesus calling people to walk in, as followers of Christ, so there, was a, there was a price, you know, that people paid. And I don't think we catch that a, a lot of times. But they went before him and they're so nervous about the situation. It says his parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son and we know that he was born blind. But how, uh, let me finish the rest of that. Um, am I in the right place? John, this is the Bible. Um, oh, I think it's a different uh, version. But we know that this man is a, uh, that's not it. I think maybe I put up the. How does he have the right scripture and I have the wrong? Somebody's messing with my Bible here? Anyway. I don't know. Any, anyway, uh, they, they, they said, you know, he, he's of age. Ask him how it happened. Like, they were so nervous that the, if they said, you know, it was Jesus. He came. He healed this guy. Um, you know, our son, he was blind. He was born this way. He's been this way all his life. They were worried that they would get thrown out of the temple, you know. And so they're like, hey, we... We know he's our son. We know he's blind. Like, you talk to him. Like, we don't want to get kicked out. I mean, that's the reality of where they were living in those days that, that um, you know, the, the Pharisees could just toss them out. And so there was a consequence for following Christ, you know. And as we uh, look at that, you know, and, and what happened, uh, you know, Jesus doing all the works, you know, it moves on into the Acts and the disciples start they get the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Things start really manifesting. People are getting healed. You know, uh, the, the name of Jesus is really spreading. And, and the more and more that that happened, the more angry the religious leaders happened. And it's, it's crazy because here's a, parent, here's a couple of parents that had a son that's been blind his whole life. And all of a sudden he's healed the religious leaders of the day. The ones that they had probably gone to in the past and said, hey, you know, could you pray for my son that he would receive his sight? They're condemning that and just in, in uh, coming against that healing, you know, right to his parents. Like, I mean, you can imagine the, the inner turmoil, turmoil as a parent, you know, when you're sitting there going, like, this is the greatest day ever. And the religious leaders are just like hammering you and threatening you. It's, it's a crazy reality and uh the the name of jesus continues to spread more and more healings are happening and then i think what is one of the catalysts is stephen gives that speech where he's you know preaching the gospel he's profound in wisdom and power in the spirit and signs and wonders are moving 
He gets uh, false accusations. He gets brought before the spiritual leaders. They question him. He gives this long speech. And at the end, he says, you know, you're sons of the devil. You don't know God. You've killed him. You know, you're just like your fathers. You killed all the prophets. And now you've murdered the son of God. And, and that was the catalyst, I think, that pushed them over the edge. And so you have this place where the, the, the government, the spiritual leaders, are condemning this because their authority, their reputation, and all of that is, is getting smeared. They're getting exposed in their corruption. And so it continues to progress on and on. And you get to the point where there's like this catalyst where the truth of God becomes so clear and powerful right in their face and pierces their heart and they can't handle it. And so it starts this persecution of the church. And they, they take Stephen out, they stone him. The apostle Paul, who was called Saul then, his kind of, his ministry is, his first ministry was launched in that point in persecuting the church, going house to house, dragging people out if they were a follower of the way, following Jesus and throwing them in jail. And, uh, and then you go through that whole scene and, and then, you know, Paul gets birthed into the kingdom. And so it's, it's, it's this domino effect of all these things that kind of happen that come into place that create a perfect storm for uh, persecution that then leads to redemption and revelation and power that leads to persecution that, you know, and so it kind of goes on and on. And as, you know, I'm looking at that, I'm thinking about, wow, where does... That sounds familiar. It sounds kind of like America today, like in the birthing stages. Like um, I could go on a real tangent right here because I'm really passionate about about our government and our our medical community and the corruption and the it, it, it's 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 not just you know greed or they just really don't care about. Uh, pursuing the things that would bless us as a nation, it's, it's demonic. There's a lot of demonic, satanic things that are happening uh, in our nation and the, gov- and the governments around the world. And I don't think we, you know, a, a lot of us really catch that. A lot of us maybe don't follow news and read things, and that's, you're, you're probably better off for that a lot of times. But the reality is, is this thing is happening. As, you know, as we look back over the couple, last couple of years with COVID, like, People lost their businesses, they lost jobs, they couldn't go to school, they couldn't visit, you know, parents in nursing homes or whatever because they wouldn't take a vaccine that they maybe felt like they didn't need. Um, and, you know, it's mandated by the government. And I know there's very strong opinions on that on, you know, both sides of the aisle. But, but I just want to present the reality that we're living in an age where there's a tipping point, you know, and as we're heading towards the day of the Lord. You know, it, it's coming. When, you know, we don't know, but we're heading there. And there's going to be the reality. The mark of the beast is coming, and that's going to be issued by the governments of the world, you know, the nations and stuff. So we're going to get to a point where we're standing before a government, which the Lord in his word says that we are to honor and to obey. But we're getting to a point where they're going to, you know, require things, and, and really we're already there, require things of us that are against biblical beliefs. And so how do we process that? How do we deal with that? How do we reconcile the word of God, honoring and obeying the government with the place of, of, of following Jesus first? You know, as the disciples said when the religious leaders told them, he's like, hey, don't speak of this name anymore. 
we're going to, you know, we're going to, you know, lash you, all these kind of things, throw you in prison and stuff. And he said, well, far be it from us to obey you more than God. So there's this reality that we're getting to where we've got to make a decision how we're going to walk in that. And, the, and, the, and the, the best part is to be thinking upon those things, you know, not obsessed with them because we, we want to be obsessed with him. But just to having those conversations, you know, uh, on the front end and just how, how will we go forth as, as a church, as a ministry, as, as believers. And um, so I, I just want to encourage you, and I'll give a little PSA public service announcement uh, on this and and I'll not go into it you can speak to me later if you want to but I don't uh, just in in the place of uh, I'm I'm trying to be (laughs) delicate but in the place of medical advice and different things like that I just want to really encourage you especially as parents when you're considering vaccines for your kids I just want to really encourage you to do your research from a wide variety of resources because there's hundreds of billions of dollars every year that govern policy and counsel and advice from pharmaceutical companies and doctors and things like that. And, and I just want to tell you that it's not all good. And so I just want to really encourage you with that as, as parents especially because it's, um, it's, it's a big thing. Like in the, Okay, I'm starting to go on a tangent, but back in the 1980s, there was like seven vaccines for kids. Now it's over 70, and there's currently in research around about 250 more vaccines uh, that uh, they're trying to get FDA approval for. So who knows how many of those will you know end up in the system, but it's, it's a big deal. I, I'm not encouraging you not to do it. I'm just saying just listen to the Lord. There's a lot of different options that you can do. With that, okay, I'm going to get off that before Sam kicks me out. But, uh, but I, what should our response be as we look at these things, you know, as we think about them? Um, we need to, you know, do all the things, be a part, and, you know, all that's kind of vote and be uh, a, a part of just the system and stuff and do our uh, duty and that kind of things. But we've got to have the discernment of the Lord and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Chris gave uh, two weeks ago, he gave an invitation to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, was, I just love that. Thanks for doing that. And I just can't, it can't be overstated how critical this is. If you don't have that or, or, or just aren't completely sure if you have that, it can't be understated how powerful and profound it is to, to take that step. You know, there's a lot of uh, denominations and religions, you know, that don't believe the gifts are for today, you know, signs and wonders and healings and speaking in tongues and all those kind of things. And that's, that's, that's okay. Um, but my, my thought is if there's something available, I want it. And if it's, and if it's not the Lord, the Lord is going to, he's going to stop it, you know, I'm, so I'm going to pursue it. If it's not of the Lord, then the Lord's not going to give it to me, you know, I, I, I trust him in that place. And so that, that, you know, John said, you know, I baptize you water, but there's one that's coming after me, coming after me that will baptize you with fire. And he, he says that, you know, uh, Jesus said to the disciples, you know, abide in this place, uh, until I return, and the, the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he's going to baptize you, and it, it, it will endue you with power. And so there's this reality that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is endues us with power, and yes, that's to work signs and wonders and miracles and healings and all those kind of things, but I think 
probably the greater reality of that baptism of the Holy Spirit is to bring us into a place of, of, uh, of communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Father, like we've never experienced before. It's, a, it's another place. You've got salvation, then water baptism, then baptism of the Holy Spirit. And each one of those are a progressive reality of bringing us into a fuller submission, a fuller uh, inheritance of the Holy Spirit in the kingdom of heaven. And so I just encourage you, you know, pray into that if, if that's not something that um, you've received just yet. Or if you're kind of a little bit like, I think I, I think I got it, but I don't know. Or maybe I haven't, you know, really walked it out in a long time. I just want to encourage you to really run after that. Because we... We need that discernment to make decisions in our lives today. We need that as we launch forward more into the, uh, the day of the Lord that's coming. It's critical. It really is. So that part about uh, just discerning and hearing the voice of God is what I want to kind of jump into a, a little bit today. Um, there's, there's a reality, you know, God is gentle and he's merciful. He's progressive in the way that he communicates with us. As we think about conversation with God, he, 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 he meets us where we're at. And there's a scripture, um, uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 2, where Paul says, you know, I could have given you meat, but I gave you milk for you are not ready for it. You are not yet ready for the, for the meat. And this, this isn't a rebuke. It's an encouragement. It's, it's an invitation. It's not really so much a rebuke. It's the mercy of God that says, look, I, I could have given you deep heavenly revelations in this point, but, you, but you're not ready for it. And if I had done that, it would, it would cause you to stumble. You wouldn't be able to carry it. You would get welled up in pride. And there's actually a scripture. Uh, he talks about this kind of in several places, but in 1 Timothy 3.5, it says, an elder should not be a new convert lest he have pride and fall into sin. And, and so he's, he's saying this, like, I, I, I know where you're at, and I'm going to meet you where you're at. I'm going to encourage you to go deeper. But he's, it's the mercy of God that he doesn't just show up and start pouring out revelation to us, and all of a sudden, like, we, we get full of pride, and we start going forth. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know how to uh, fully understand it, and, and it can cause uh, you know, a backsliding reality in our life. So it's the mercy of God that he comes and he meets us into this place. He doesn't want us to miss it. He's, he's gentle and lowly in spirit. And it's how he spoke to Nicodemus when Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night. And that's in John uh, three ten through 12. Let's see if my Bible has that chapter. I don't know what's going on over here. He said, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe them, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And so he knew Nicodemus wasn't ready to handle all of that uh, revelation, and so he kind of spoke to him in kind of like a parable, you know. But he, but he gave him, you know, he gave him some seed there. He threw some stuff out, and he's like, "Dig into this, you know, go after this." And and it was up to Nicodemus at that point, like what kind of soil he was going to allow that seed to fall on. 
And so the Lord is just coming and saying, I want to meet you where you're at, but I want to encourage you. I don't want to condemn you. And so don't, you know, don't struggle with like, why don't, why, you know, why don't I understand those things? Why don't I talk about this? And I'm not there yet. Like God will get you there if you're leaning into him and he'll take you on and on and on and on uh, to the place of just incredible glory and revelation. But we've got to have that that place like that song that was like, I, I want my heart to see something new. I want to dig into something. I, I love the reality of, you know, going into prayer, maybe praying about something and saying, you know, at the front end of that, God, I want to pray about this, but I'm not exactly sure what to pray. Would you give me a vision of what I need to pray so I can see it? And now I can see something concrete. I can take it and, and, and find language to begin to pray into that thing. He'll do it. He'll give you what you haven't never seen before so that you can enter into a place of agreement with it and, and, and see that thing uh, come, come into birth. So he's, he's just super cool. He loves to do that kind of stuff. Um, Matthew, I'm going to jump, Matthew 13 and 14. I didn't write all these down, so I've got to do a lot of flipping. He says, therefore, I speak to them in parables because they see and they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And this is why he does that. And then the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you'll see, seeing you'll, hearing you'll see and not understand, and seeing you'll see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. It's a fascinating statement there. He says, the reason that you see and don't understand, the reason that you hear and don't perceive is because your hearts are dull. You know, and it's a fascinating reality. It's like it's our hearts that determine that pathway that we can take into the, the deeper things of God, you know. And uh, there's so much there about, um, you know, a uh, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. And there's so much there about the reality of what God wants to do in us. And, and for all of us that have done, uh, I don't see any of my, uh, my, my deliverance people in here today, but uh, for all of us that have done deliverance and inner healing and stuff, it's why we're very passionate about that. We talk about it a lot because we've, as we've went through the process, we've seen how profoundly our bitterness, our unforgiveness, our fear, our unbelief, all those different things it profoundly impact our decisions, our choices in life, how we see God, how we see ourselves, how we uh, connect in relationships and stuff. It's very important how we guard our heart. And um, the other scripture, Song of Solomon in Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it flow all the issues of life. So... Um, we, we've got to connect with that place. We've got to connect with the reality that, Lord, I want my heart to be alive. I, I want to, uh, you know, find that place where the word says, try me and search me and reveal any wicked way in me. And that's not just talking about, you know, iniquity and sin and all these kind of things, but it's the place of fear. It's the place of bitterness. It's the place of unforgiveness. It's those places that really hinder us from hearing 
the deep things of God and going into that place where we can have this real genuine uh, 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 flourishing connection with the Holy Spirit and just really hear his voice. You know, we can't study or work our way into the Holy Spirit, you know. At scripture, I, I, I want to look at this, John uh, 5.38. Got quite a few scriptures today. John 5.38. But you do not have his word abiding in you, because uh, 5.38, because whom he sent him you do not believe. You search the scriptures. He's talking to the Pharisees here. And you search the scriptures, for in them you think that they have you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. This is this place, like you know, you can you can read the scripture from you know day till night for you know decades and never touch Jesus, you know, because we don't have a conversation with him. We don't invite him into the process. You know, he's saying like. They testify of me, so I want you to take the scriptures. There's a um, kind of a study tool that a guy in Kansas City did. It's it's something like sing it, say it, write it, read it. I think there's another one, but maybe dance it. I don't know, <laughs> but it's one of those. But um, but he's saying like like if you if you're having issues with connecting with something, like try something different. Like all of us connect in different ways. Maybe you connect with the Holy Spirit and you can read a scripture and they're like, I don't really understand that and just put it into a song, a prophetic song and all of a sudden you just start getting revelation. You know, maybe you need to write it. Maybe you need to say it out loud. Whatever it is, whatever helps you um, to, to, to dig into that place. Dance it. I feel like Matthew is a dancing revelator. So just receive that, Matthew. Um, We'll see in the altar call. I don't know. You know. There, uh, there's this place, you know, we, we, we can't study our way in, but if we take the scriptures, you're reading scripture and just stop and, and just like, God, what are you saying here? Like, I want to have a, why did she say that? Like, what was going on in her heart to get her to the point to make that journey, to then ask you that question. Like, you know, as we begin to go backwards in the scene and in the story, we're starting to get incredible revelation that you wouldn't have got of just, you know, just just blazing through a scripture. So it's really critical and important to, to take that time and just dialogue with the Spirit. He's like, don't just, you know, read the scriptures. He's like, talk to me, you know, talk to me. Come and see me and, and, and ask me questions. Um, another way that he speaks, so that's that's initial way is the place of just like uh, I'll meet you where you're at, you know, in in conversation. Um, another way that he speaks is in the place of understanding. In John uh, six fifty three, I'll read that. Then Jesus said to them, "Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you." But whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Now, a lot of disciples quit following him after he said that. I can't imagine why. I mean, 
It's just, I mean, that is just a crazy statement. I mean, we're looking at it from a completely different context of, you know, hundreds of years, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's craziness, you know. I mean, to think about that from the people, them, where they were at, that he would say a statement like that. And the statement, you know, is all the, you know, almost all the, you know, the disciples, the, the, the outside disciples, not the twelve. You know, abandon him after making that statement. He's like, we can't. You know, we can't do that. <laughs> you know, we're we're out. And his disciples, he says, you you guys want to leave too? And 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 I'm sure they were thinking, yeah, but we don't have anywhere else to go. Like, I mean, we haven't left our fishing businesses. You know, Peter was like, or Paul. Yeah, Peter was like, um, you know, well, we got nowhere else to go. You know, like you you are the words of life. We don't understand that. We're probably not going to chew on your arm anytime later today. Um, we don't get it, but we've seen enough of you to know that you said it for a reason. I don't get what the reason is, but there's obviously got to be some kind of reason. So Jesus didn't make that statement just to try and separate, because there was a lot that were following him in this earlier in the story, but they were following him just because they wanted the bread and the fish. You know, they wanted the miracles. They wanted to get healing and all those kinds. They didn't know him. They didn't understand who he was. They didn't know the why behind the miracles. But the disciples were understanding that. They were starting to get it. And they were starting to recognize and realize, that, like, I don't get that all the time. I don't get why you do the things the way that you do. But I'm starting to see your heart. And I'm starting to recognize that um, this is where I want to be, you know, and, and it's a statement that Jesus made not to kind of separate the wheat from the shaft, but he made this statement to give us an invitation to the disciples then and to us now of the reality that, look, there, there's going to be a time when you're not going to understand what I'm doing. You're not going to understand what's going on in your life. There's going to be a time you will suffer trials and tribulations. You're not going to be immune from it just because you, you follow after me. And he says the critical thing is for you to recognize that that is coming and for you to take the time now to process your heart and to get into my presence and begin to learn my character and my nature on this end so that when you come into that place, you're going to be equipped to handle that. Will you still understand it? Maybe not. And maybe you won't ever understand it. But you will be able to say, I don't understand it. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it. I'm angry. I'm confused. I'm frustrated. I don't know why this would happen to me. I don't know why, you know, I lost my job. I don't know why I'm going through divorce. I don't know why I have cancer. I don't know why I never get picked to be, you know, the, the better position. I don't know why, you know, my kids are doing the things and walking away from God the way that they are. I don't know on and on and on. I don't know why these things are happening, but I know that I've seen enough of you to know that you're good and you're faithful and you're going to carry me through this place. And that's what he's, he's throwing out to us, this lifeline, and saying it's going to come, and you're not always going to understand it, and you're not always going to agree with it, but you've got to get to a place where you know me to the extent that you can walk through this thing with a heart that is full and alive and come through on the other side and see the glory of God manifested. And it's so bizarre. So many things happen in our lives. Um, tragedy or just, just different things that happen in our lives. 
Um, we contend, we pray, we fast, we do the things. It doesn't change. We don't understand why. And, and uh, that story of us walking through that, people watching us from the sidelines that are going through similar situations, and he's like, how are they still standing? How do they still maintain their faith in God in this? I, I want to know that because right now I'm bitter and I'm angry and I hate God and I'm done with this religion thing. And they're watching that example set in front of them of someone who's walked through tragedy and, and didn't see it, uh, didn't see it shift. And they're going, how? How are they doing what they're doing? And so we don't know that our tragedy is meant for that one person, that one thing, to bring them out of that, to give them hope in a situation that looks hopeless, and to give them confidence and faith that if God did it for them, he can do it for me. So there's so many things that happen in, in, in the background that we don't understand and we don't see and we might not ever see until we see them face to face. And so we have to recognize that I've got to get my heart now, today, in the place where I know him. I know him because I don't want to be shaken. There's a scripture in um, Revelation, I'm making sure I covered everything, Revelation uh, 14, chapter 14, verse 9. And he says this, he makes this statement a couple of times at least, I don't know, maybe more, in, in the book of Revelation is Revelation 14, 9 through 12. This is, let me see if this covers it. Uh, and, he, uh, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by, by those signs which he was granted, and he's talking about the devil. He was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on earth to make an image. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm one, one chapter up. 14, 9 through 12. Uh, then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God in the faith of Jesus. Uh, another, another version says, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the, on the part of the saints. This is a scripture where he's talking about all those that choose to reject God who go to hell there will be a, a, a place where the, the uh, like an opening in the earth he's, he, we're coming back to the earth an opening in the earth where the smoke rises up from the, the gates of hell fire and brimstone all these ones will be there forever and ever and ever day and night with no uh, with no relief and he's He's painting this picture as the reality of what is coming. And when you look at that, he says it, it requires patient endurance. 
I'm thinking just a little bit more than patient endurance to think about that kind of judgment that's going to happen at the hands of a loving God, you know. And so how do you wrap your mind around that? You know, when you look at the, the things in the Old Testament about, you know, how he had them go into nations and wipe out everything. Men, women, children, livestock, everything. How do you wrap your minds around that? Some of the stuff I don't understand, and I'm, I'm probably not ever going to fully understand, and I'm okay with that, you know? And so we have to get to the place that he is good. I don't know, maybe some stuff I don't even agree with, but it's only because I don't know what he knows, and I'm not who he is. I'm not perfect in my heart and in my nature, and so when we recognize as we look at our lives and the events and the situations that we go through, we have to recognize like there's stuff that's really crazy that's going to happen because we live in a world full of sin. We've got to get our hearts set in that place to say, God, you're good. You're good. He says... Get to know me now. Don't wait because you will suffer trials in this life and how you go into it decides how you're going to come out. So we're going to go into it with a heart full of faith and belief. One more way and the last way that we'll look at is uh, how God invites us into the place of conversation with him in the reality of silence, delay, and offense. Let me paint a picture for you right quick. You and your family are looking for a church. You moved into an area, looking for a home church. You're visiting around places. You come visit a church, good, good-sized church. You go in. You sit there through the service. You're like, hey, pretty good. You know, I give them a 7 out of 10, you know. And it's like you turn to your wife, and you're like, hey, let's, let's go up and, and talk to the pastor and just find out a little bit more about the church and just a little bit about him, you know, and just a quick conversation. You go up. Could you tap him on his shoulder, introduce yourselves? Hey, I'm, um, you know, such and such, and you know, we're thinking about coming to your church. We just, you know, wanted to spend just a minute or so with you and I just ask you a couple of questions, you know. And, and the pastor turns, he's like, look, you know, it's a big church, a lot of people here. A lot of people have been here for decades serving children's ministry, ushering, greeting, you know, driving buses, uh, you know, giving out communion, all those kind of things. They've been doing a lot of stuff. They've been paying tithes faithfully for years. I only have a limited amount of time to be able to pour in and shepherd, you know, people in this church. You, you just got here. You hadn't served. You hadn't paid any tithes. You're, you're you know, I, I, I'm sorry, you know, come back to me maybe a year, maybe two, when you've kind of been doing the thing, you know, serving, blessing this church, helping it grow, all that kind of stuff. And I'll, I'll try and work you in the rotation, you know. Would your thought be at that? It was like, we found the church, you know. This, this is the place to plant roots in this place. Pro- probably not. Probably not really what you were looking for when you went to talk to the pastor. But that is very similar to the conversation that Jesus had with the Gentile woman in Matthew chapter 15, verse uh, 22 through 28. Matthew, that's the New Testament. Uh, 22, 15, 22. 
And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. She just kept over and over, Jesus, son of David, come, heal my daughter. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She was a Gentile. He's like, that's, that's not my job, you know, right now. That's not what I'm doing. Then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. I mean, that's an intense conversation. Can you imagine being that person that came up and that was his response? So first, he just completely ignored you. Secondly, he finally spoke and he's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that right now. It's not, it's not what my gig is. And then, you know, you keep pressing and then he's like, uh, you know, you're, you're a dog. You know, you're not, like, this is not what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I'm focusing on the children right now. This is my mission. And then she presses past that and she gets her miracle. So there's this place where God, you know, is, is throwing this out to us and he's just saying, look, uh, there's a reality. You're going to have places of delay, places of silence, places where he says things that causes offense in our hearts. Um, these things are going to happen. And, and, and there, there's so much that she could have done here. She could have gotten tired of asking and just walked away. Then he said, um, hey, you know, I'm not, that's not what I'm doing right now. She could have got, you know, angry and offended. And then she certainly could have got offended when he referred to her as a little dog, not even a big dog. You know, it's, it's just an amazing conversation when you look at it and amazing when you look at her faith as she walked into that place. How long, talking about when you read the scriptures, let's back up in the story and ask some questions. Like how, how long do you think she had been praying for her daughter? How long do you think this had been going on? We don't, we don't know. I can't imagine it, was, it just happened yesterday. How long had she been serving the Lord, even as a Gentile woman, to get to the place where she could push past all of those barriers and still say, I'm, I'm, I'm not leaving, like, until you move? You know, it, it wasn't, she didn't get saved yesterday. She's been walking this journey for a while. So there's been a place of delay. There's been a place of silence. There's been a place probably of offense that she's been walking through throughout this whole journey, realizing, you know, her daughter is struggling with this issue. And she, through that process, has gotten to the place and said, I don't understand it. I don't know why you're quiet. I don't know why you're saying no, but I know you. I've started to learn you and understand you, and I'm going to keep coming to you over and over and over until I see your hand move. Oh, I forgot to mention the title of my message. Was, I probably shouldn't even say, but the title of the message is, I don't care what Jesus says, and you shouldn't either. So, um, so I said that after we collected the offering, so we're probably, at least that part is good. But um, So she got to a place where... Uh, 
you know, she was just like, I'm, I'm just pushing through in, into this reality. And we have to understand, like, as we walk through those situations, there's, there's this reality of, of God has always given us invitations. It doesn't matter whether the situation is really bad and a tragedy where he's given us an invitation to come to him, comfort, healing, uh, a manifestation, whatever it is, or it's something that's really good. He's given us an invitation to step into something of a greater authority. You know, the, the, there's a saying that says, uh, if you want to really test a man's heart, don't give him suffering, give him power. Because you'll see some things come out, you know, when you're in the place of surfing, but if you give a person power and, and, and prestige, it can really reveal, you know, how, how true your faith is with the Lord. Because it can be very intoxicating to walk in that thing. So as we're walking through those trials, there's, there's so many different elements to this, to this story. One of those things is, I'm trying to be quick. I'm getting real close to finish, but I don't want to keep us too late. But, uh, there's, one of the things is just this place of recognizing, like in the last story, he's good. But beyond that, the invitation the invitation is to say, like, can you push past this place to step into a greater and deeper reality of the kingdom of heaven and see things come to pass in your life that you never could have possibly imagined would come to pass? He's, he's given her this opportunity to say, you know, I don't care what you say. He had already said, look, I'm not doing that. And then... And then she, she keeps pressing. Then he says, you know, look, I, I'm not messing with the dogs. I'm doing my thing right now with the children of Israel. I'm trying to birth something here. She presses past that. She's gotten to a place, and this is critical for us to, to lean into and to strive and contend for, getting to a place where she said, I don't care what Jesus says. I care who he is. Because he can say no, but I know that there's times when he says no, and he's, his point is to invite me into a press and into a place of contention to get a yes. I mean, there, there's you know, a, lot of, a lot of scriptures, uh, I, I won't turn there and read through it, but um, in Genesis 18, uh, 23 through 32, it's Abraham. Uh, the Lord comes, appears to him. He's about to go and destroy uh, Sodom. And uh, he says, oh, I'm going to tell Abraham about this. And Abraham says, Lord, you know, surely you're not going to wipe the place out uh, if there's righteous people in there. And he's like, what if there's 50 righteous people there? Would you, would you, you know, relent from destroying Sodom? And he's like, if there's 50 righteous people, I won't do it. And he's like, eh, far be it for me to go ahead and press you a little further, but what about 45? Yeah, what about 40? What, what about 20? What about 10? He, I mean, he keeps going on. I mean, can you see yourself having this conversation with the manifested Lord standing in front of you? And, and he's, he's making statements like, far be it from you to do something so crazy as to wipe out a nation if there's five righteous people there, you know? He's having this conversation, and so it's this reality, and there's other stories like this, this reality of God, God's no isn't always no. 
He wants us to be invited into a place that says, God, I don't care what you say in this moment. I care who you are. And the person that I know that you are wants to do this because your heart is for justice and your heart is for mercy and your heart is for righteousness. And I don't want to be uh, standing on the other side looking back and he's like, that was actually a yes. You could have had it, you know. He wants us to, to move into that place. And there's a place of discernment where we, or we feel that release and we know it's a no, you know. And, and, I, and I feel that. I feel peace of that in my heart. And we just move forward. But there's also a place where we don't feel that peace. And we say, I'm going to move until you give me peace in this. If you say it's a no and you give me peace that it's a no, I'll, I'll, I'll lay it down. The whole thing of... Uh, um, the Apostle Paul, you know, he, had, he kept praying for his eyes to be healed, and the Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient. That's okay. That's going to happen from time to time, so we've got to be okay with that. But we've got to be okay with the reality that I don't care what you say sometimes. I care who you are. I'm going to come to you, and I'm going to press you for this until the very, very end. There's also a place... Where his no is no, and his silence is silence, and it doesn't change. And you might not ever understand it, and you might not ever agree with it, and you might not ever be okay with it. But that's the reality that, we, that we're going to walk in from time to time. You know, death happens, and tragedy happens, and all those kind of things, and they don't, and they don't change sometimes. But we've got to get to that place where we've come to say, I know who you are. And I know that you're faithful. And I know that you're good. And I know that you love me. And I'm going to walk into this. And, and maybe I don't walk, in, walk it out very strongly. But I'm going to walk it out the best I can. And God's going to be excited about that. And there's um, this reality that, that, you know, the Gentile woman, she, she knew that G Jesus could choose not to respond to her prayers. She knew that he could choose to say no. He could respond and say no. But she knew that his no could turn to yes. And, and she wanted to stand in that place and push it to the limit. The book Song of Songs or Song of Solomon the the stories you know it's another actually another great Mike Bickle book on that but um, telling my fan uh, it, it's really incredible to read just the the analogies and stuff in that book but the 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 woman the beloved uh, at the beginning uh, she loved the Lord she's fascinated with him but she didn't want to go into the wilderness with him she's like you know go do your thing you know, do the hard stuff, come back and see me, I'll be right here, you know, just waiting on you. And so the Lord is, it's this back and forth thing of him continuously coming back to her and wooing her and showing her his love and his affection, saying, I know that you rejected me in that last season, you wouldn't go with me into the place of the wilderness. He says, but I'm coming back for you and I'm going to keep wooing you because you're my bride. And at the end of the story, she finally walks into the place of mature love with the, with the father, with her groom, and she goes with him into the place of uh, the wilderness. She's like, 
I'll go with you here now because I know you and I can trust you. In the uh, scripture, in, in chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? And that's the picture that sometimes we're, we're going to walk in. That place where we've had tragedy happen, we've had things happen in our lives, we've walked through it because we know who he is. It doesn't look very pretty. It doesn't look very gracious and very apostolic. But we've walked through that place and we've come out of it leaning on our beloved. And he says, there's going to be times when you walk through things and you don't hardly have any strength left. And the only way that you can get the next step is to lean on me. And he says, I'm perfectly good with that. He's like, I'll hold you up. Lean on me. And I'll carry you through. So this is his invitation to us. This place where he said, I'm fighting you in continuously to deeper manifestations of my kingdom, my glory in my heart, my nature, my, my emotions. <laughs> he wants to come and invite us into that place. And so I just want to have a time we can, you know, have worship or whatever, play a song or something. Um, just uh if anybody wants to come and have a time, you can come to the front. You can stay in your seats. You can pace around. I don't, I don't care how you do it. Uh, just have a time and just have some dialogue with the Lord about this place. Where are you at? Maybe you feel like you're in every one of those places at the same time, you know? And that's okay. But we've got to walk into this reality where, you know, we live in a fallen world and things are going to happen. But God wants you to experience the unlimited, unbridled glory of his presence. And he wants you to feel him fighting for you. God wants to fight for your heart. He wants to fight for your destiny. I mean, one of the things I think we really wrestle with is purpose. I want to feel like I'm doing something. I want to feel like I'm seeing. I want to feel like I'm making a difference. There's so many prophetic words and visions and different things and dreams and stuff. And like, I haven't seen those things. Like, God, where are those? I want to be walking in that. I want to feel like the glory of God is directing my steps and he's being poured out and manifested. I want to feel like I have purpose. I don't want to feel like, you know, lost in the crowd and not seen. God is saying, I want to invite you into that place. He says, but you've got to come to me. Open wide your arms and your heart. Begin to have a conversation with me and begin to step out. There's so many things that God may have for you as a purpose and a destiny in this life and in this age. And some of them may be 180 degrees, the direction of what you think you should go in or where your gifts are. But I want to encourage you, if you feel a stir in something, to move into that place. I, I mean, I, I said, just like Rocky, I was so shy. 
uh, in high school. So shy in, in early 20s. And, and, and God moves. You know, and I preached at Mardi Gras on the streets. I mean, that is unconscionable <laughs> to consider. You know, that that's what he would have me do. And that I would enjoy it, you know. There's, so I just want you to not put him in a box. I want you to just ask the Lord, God, what do you want me to step into? I want to feel the place of purpose in your kingdom. I want to feel that place of just partnership with you. And I want to feel you fighting for my heart as I step out into things and just trust you that you're good enough to keep me. And I want to walk into the place where I can lean on you and be okay with it. So if there's anything that you want to wrestle through with the heart of the Lord, so I want you to come up front. We got people that can pray with you. I don't know if you want to add anything. Um, but um, you can sit in your seat if you want. I don't, I'm, I don't need, you know, there'd be a bunch of people at the altar. But, but I do want you to have that conversation with the Lord. Don't let a moment pass, you know. There's a moment of opportunity here for you to come and respond to him. And begin to bring to him. He wants to have unbridled conversation with us. Yell if you need to. Scream. Cry. Tell him how angry you are and frustrated you are with this situation. He's, he's not going to get scared off. He's heard it before. He wants our heart. He wants genuine, real, true conversation with us. And then he wants to say, good, now we're getting somewhere. Because those places, I, I, I tell you, those places of trial and tribulation, sometimes even devastation, it's hard to hear sometimes, but sometimes it's the only thing that will get us to a place of submission where we're so broken and we're so desperate and we're so lost and confused that we actually say, God, just talk to me. Whatever you want to say, just, just give it to me because I, I don't know that I'm going to make it out of this place. And so he uses those things for many purposes, but I just want to encourage you, search him out, seek him out, get into that place, have real conversation with him. Get the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you don't. And just walk into that place of glory. Amen. Bless you. Amen. That is so good.